to Maritime AgCast, the podcast dedicated to the farmers and the farm community of the Maritimes. We will discuss all things related to the livestock industry with local, regional and national guests, as well as keep you up to date with current markets and industry events. Atlantic Stockyards Limited has been Atlantic Canada's major livestock market for over 60 years. The stockyards attract buyers regionally as well as extending into central Canada. Livestock auctions occur every Thursday with cattle, sheep, goats, hogs, rabbits and poultry all featured. Additional information such as previous market reports, feeder sale dates and vaccination forms can be found on AtlanticStockyards.com. Today we will be discussing live beef carcass ultrasounds and how it's used in the industry uh, here in Nova Scotia and across the country. We're joined again by some familiar voices. We have Jasper Monroe, uh, who is the manager of research and innovation for egg sites. Uh, he was raised on a commercial beef and grain farm near Tiverton, Ontario. We first met Jasper a few years ago when he was doing his master's here at Dalhousie University, focused on beef cattle feed efficiency. Uh, we're once again joined by Amy Higgins of the Maritime Beef Council uh, as their industry coordinator. She's also a purebred Angus producer from Quispamsis, New Brunswick, uh, and is president of the New Brunswick and Maritime Angus Association. And of course, our residential expert on ruminant animal production, Jonathan Wirt from Perennia, uh, who has extensive background and knowledge in ruminant production management. Uh, as well as over 25 years as a commercial sheep producer uh, and uh, significant beef background as well. So again, thanks everybody for joining us here this morning. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Brad. So, I hope I get a copy of that introduction. That was great. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's one of those good things that, you know, I've always been told you can lie and as long as nobody refutes it, it becomes fact. So uh, no, we appreciate you, Jasper, and all the work you've been uh, doing uh, since we met you a few years ago in your master's program. Yeah, so let's let's jump right in. Um, you know, maybe Jasper will start with you, and l- let's talk a little bit about why we do live beef carcass ultrasounding, and and maybe a little bit about what it is. Yeah, so the the main purpose of doing an ultrasound on a live beef animal is for prediction of carcass trait, um, and and really there's two reasons that a breeder or a feedlot operation actually um, begin looking to use ultrasound measures but in either case it is for that purpose to try and understand the carcass merit of that animal so what is its rib eye size how much back fat does that animal have and what's its intramuscular fat so that is how much marbling does that animal have um, if we look in society today consumers are getting more and more driven by their eating experience the results continue to show that there is an increased willingness to pay for higher quality product. Um, and we're, when we're looking at quality in this sense, we can be looking both at yield grades and quality grades in terms of lean meat yields and uh, marbling values. So when when we're looking to ultrasound cattle, we're trying to, in the case of breeding stock, trying to predict the carcass merit of that animal um, through the use of ultrasound. Because each of the ultrasound measurements that we make is highly correlated with that carcass measurement. So the, the ultrasound measurement per ribeye area is higher, highly correlated with the actual ribeye measurement on that animal. Same with the back fat measurement, same with that marbling measurement. So we use those so that we can know the genetic potential of that animal's carcass without actually having to harvest that animal. Um, if we have to harvest that animal, we've lost the genetic potential of that animal. So we ultrasound animals typically at 
uh, close to maturity or when they're coming into maturity for breeding stock to understand, okay, is that animal going to provide um, additional genetic improvement to the carcass merit of my herd? So if, if you're able to sell calves at a premium because of their, their carcass potential, then using ultrasound can help you do that by allowing you to take those measurements without having to harvest the animal. What it's also doing at the same time from a genetics perspective is it's reducing the generation interval. And that means the, the time between two successive generations of animals. So the time that it takes that animal to get to that same phase again. So if I have to wait all the way until that animal's harvested to get the carcass measurement to see what its ribeye size is, now I've had to wait really 18 to 24 months before I have that value that I could have after 12 months and I could already start making a breeding decision off of it. So it helps accelerate genetic improvement at the same time. And recent research is actually showing that if we compare taking an ultrasound measurement for something like ribeye area compared to the actual measurement that's made by a grader at, say, a Cargill plant in Alberta, they can actually have the same level of accuracy for that measurement. There used to be a concern that, oh, ultrasound can't be as accurate as the actual real assessment taken on the carcass. And the fact is that it can be as accurate, it is as accurate, and it can actually be, actually be more accurate when we look at the variability we have when, when the trimmings are coming off the backbone and how, how accurate that fat measurement becomes. And if there's an impact on where that measurement's taken for marbling, it's a much more consistent and technolog technologically based measurement that occurs when we're using ultrasound. And that's where the, some of that cost comes with the service is that technology um, has incredible value by reducing that generation interval and giving us more accurate values that can help advance our genetic improvement to hit some of our target markets faster. Overall, ultrasound, that's what we look at it from a breeding perspective. Um, where it's useful for, from a feedlot perspective is you also have the ability through carcass prediction tools. If you're, if you're operating a feedlot where you can actually sort pens of cattle and you're not an all-in, all-out operation, you can actually use ultrasound to help determine the, the readiness of that lot of cattle. So you can have cattle come across the scale, have them ultrasounded, and you can determine how many days until they're ready um, in terms of what's your target market weight and what, what market you're trying to hit in terms of back fat coverage. And the technologies exist to take that ultrasound image um, and help predict, okay, it's 120 days to market readiness. Here's what its estimated um, weight's going to be, and here's what it's going to grade in terms of triple uh, A, double A, or single A. So it really helps you understand, okay, am I going to sort cattle coming through the chute to two directions? I'm going to sort cattle that are 150 days plus or cattle that are 100, under 150 days. And you can start hitting that market more consistently while also not worrying about overfeeding some cattle and underfeeding other cattle. So it not only helps you create more value, but you might have the ability to save cost when you look at using some of the ultrasound tools that are available at the feedlot level as well. So, Amy, you're a, a trained ultrasound technician as well as, as you are, Jasper. So what does that ultrasound process look like uh, either in the breeding shed or in the feedlot? So I guess it, it starts with just calling and setting up, uh, setting up the time or fill it, filling out a form and setting up the time so that when the, the technician, whoever that may be, gets on site, They've got an idea of how many head they're doing. And then the, the critical part of that is to make sure that it, you're ready to go upon arrival so that um, if they say they're gonna arrive at 8 a.m., then you've got everybody caught, uh, caught and, and prepped and ready and ready to go through the shoot so that it's a, it's a relatively quick um, process to set up the equipment. Um, shoot side, a, a handling shoot is required because the animals need to stay 
fairly, they've got to stay fairly skills still. So it's not something that you can just tie them up and, and get the result on because the, you're not going to be able to get a very good scan um, that way. So if everything's sort of ready to go, the, uh, the ultrasound unit gets set up. There's another laptop screen that the information flows through and there's a few different probes that, that are used to get a, uh, the ribeye area, the, the rump fat, and the marbling information. And then it doesn't take very long to scan them through if, uh, if you're running through the, through the chute. So if they, we clip off uh, the segments that we're going to ultrasound. So if you've ever been to the, the Maritime Beef Test Station or anything, you might notice that there's little patches on one side or the other that are... Uh, that are missing of, of hair because it's been, they've been trimmed off because the hair will interfere with the, with the ultrasound results and you won't get a, won't get a scan if there's too much hair. So it just gets clipped off and there's uh, some oil that's used to, to use as a, as a conductor of, of information and of the data coming back through the ultrasound unit. And then you can see the scan on the screen. So a couple of the things that we can't do is you can't really, we can't really say as technicians if it's if it's a good ribeye or a bad ribeye. All of that information goes into, for in our case, the cup lab and gets analyzed and, and looked at there. Um, the other thing that you've got to think about is what your age of calves are. So if you're doing this for... Um, breeding purposes. So if you're looking for a really good use of this is to take you, all of your replacement heifers, get scans done on them all, and then you can sort of see where you're at for keeping the the ones that have, have good carcass qualities among the other things that you might be looking for. So if in order to do that, then all of the, the heifers have to be within, um, and each breed has a different target of a hundred in order to be used in genetic evaluation because they've got to be sort of in contemporary groups. But um, around that year old 10 month to 15 month time frame, depending on the breed. And then you can actually look look at the data. The marbling, you can sort of see the white flex. So you might be able to see what some marbling differences, but by and large, the technician as it stands there can't really tell you a whole lot in terms of what the results will be that's gonna all, all go through the lab so that's just something to keep in mind yeah that's a that's a great point Amy, because that's a question that i've had quite often when you're out on farm is well is that a good size ribeye how's that looking to the last one what kind of marbling racing and yeah quite often i always say it's best if you just wait for your results cup the cup lab's been a great lab for us to work with as well like we're signed up for the next day program so you as a breeder if I go out, scan your cattle before 9 a.m. today and submit your results before um, 9 a.m., so assuming not possible, I can actually get those results back the next day. But either way, you should see your raw data within the week. Um, and then from there, not only do you get your raw data, but it also goes to your breed association if you're registered um, to have it included into your, your EPDs as well. So you'll then also see it on your breed registry. So I, I think it's a good point that it's hard for us to know the exact values because the, the process that Amy is going through is an, an accredited process. As a technician, the technicians just there to take the image. They've been trained how to take that image accurately and safely. 
it is not their role to take the measurement. That's the role of the lab that those images then go to. Their sole role is to take accurate measurements and to make sure that the measurements and images were taken properly to give you the most accurate value. So when we look at how ultrasound measures are con captured compared to some other data on, on operations, it's probably one of the most accurate processes used to capture data when we compare it to some people recording birth weights that may just stand there, look at the calf and say, it looks like it's about 75 pounds, right? So there's, there's an incredible process here to ensure the data is accurate and gets back to you quickly. Yeah, and the only other thing I guess I would add that I forgot to mention is that within, um, I think it's five days, Jasper, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but that you've got a five-day window because there needs to be a weight associate like a, a weight associated with the ultrasound um, data as it's going in so that weight ideally is captured a couple day with the same day or if you need to run them through ahead of time to make sure that you've got accurate weights on every single animal that you're ultrasounding otherwise there's not much they can do with that data because that weight goes towards their algorithm that figures out what some of the other details are like ribeye area. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, it's, um, the breeder actually has seven days either before or after the technician shows up to, to submit a weight on that animal and it's, and it's used in those adjustments, um, both to get things like adjusted ribeye area to a, a carcass weight value and like you're saying, the use of the algorithms that they use for predictions of things like of marbling. So it's, it gives you that nice window that you can, if you're not set up well to be capturing the weight the same day that that technician's there, you can either do it beforehand or after, but it just has to be within a week of when the technician is taking those measurements. So if I'm a, a producer and I'm looking to access this service, Jasper, um, you know, how many technicians are there across the country and, and how do we get a hold of one? Yeah, great question. It's it's an interesting kind of section of the industry. Ultrasound really has been available to cattle breeders probably since the late 90s or, um, or sorry, late 80s or early 90s. Really, to be honest, I've seen a lot of growth. And there, there's various reasons for that. The market doesn't always respond. Um, consumers can demand a, a higher marbling product, but if the feedlot's not getting paid on a grid system, then the value doesn't necessarily trickle down. Um, but there's incredible value in the use of ultrasound, like Amy's saying, even for your own operation, when you're looking at retained heifers and selecting um, your replacement heifers that you are going to retain, uh, so many of these carcass measurements that ultrasound takes isn't only important to the carcass merit, but they're actually related to other important traits. When we look at measurements, whether it be marbling, ribeye area, or if we're looking at fat measurements, in heifers we can see that fat can be related to things such as age of puberty, milk, calving intervals all the way down to the mature weight um, so we can start to get good indications of how that heifer or bull is going to perform right at stage of when that ultrasound measurement is being taken so it can be powerful both for your own operation and as a tool to, to market your animals as, as seed stock to, to different buyers so it's, a, it's a pretty flexible and powerful tool and, and I think that's why at least with the ultrasound we provide in Ontario, where we're seeing growth in it is people wanted to ultrasound the replacement heifers to see how they'll contribute to their herd and to help in that selection decision. So if you're looking to contact and find someone that in your area that can come out and ultrasound your cattle as a, as a technician, I know there's either websites available in the Maritimes that actually gives you all the information that you need to understand and know um, when selecting a technician and when booking your cattle for ultrasound, but you can also go 
um, to the, the Cup Lab website. So if you go to Google and Google Cup Lab, um, that'll bring you to the Cup Lab, which is one of the certifying bodies that certifies the technicians that will come to your farm. Um, and they have a complete database and map showing you where the, there is technicians available in your area. So across Canada, Brad, I, I believe there's at most 10, but maybe only six or seven certified technicians. Um, there's, I believe, two in Ontario, one in Quebec, uh, one in the Maritimes, and then there's probably four or five scattered across Manitoba into into British Columbia. So there's there isn't a huge amount of technicians available, but each of them is covering a wide geographical area, and really their their business is to come out there and service you. So um, we service clients that are up to five, six, seven hours away from our office. I know there's technicians in Alberta that do loops, so he'll start in northern Alberta and make a loop and during ultrasound season, which is typically happening in the late winter, anywhere from January right through to April, depending on your calving seasons, um, he'll start that loop and he'll be on the road for weeks on end, stopping it. Then he'll set up his routes and stop from farm to farm to farm um, to make sure he's servicing all the clients that he can. So although 10 doesn't seem like a lot across Canada, uh, they're all going out of their way to make sure that they're able to service as many breeders as they can. Yeah, I, I know the Nova Scotia cattle producers here in, in the Maritimes um, undertook a project in 2019, uh, as we saw it as uh, a gap in, in service in the industry and not having to rely on that outside expertise, either in Quebec and Ontario, not that it isn't great, uh, great service, but to have uh, the service available to our purebred folks and our seed stock folks here in the region. Um, so there is a, a certified technician in, in Nova Scotia. Uh, Laura Parsons, who works for the Nova Scotia cattle producers, uh, and really provides that service to all of the Maritimes. Uh, in the first scanning season earlier in 2020, you know, I think we scanned about 100 or, or sorry, 180 or almost 200 animals, uh, both bulls and uh, replacement heifers. So I think as the the service becomes, or folks become more aware of the service, uh, I think it will continue to grow in popularity for a lot of the reasons that you folks uh, have touched on. In upcoming events, the Nova Scotia Cattle Producers and Sheep Producers Association of Nova Scotia have been posting monthly virtual farm tours. Visit nscattle.ca and nssheep.ca and their social media channels to view these monthly releases. The Nova Scotia Cattle Producers 16th Annual Meeting will occur on March 10th, 2020 at 7 p.m., Please register in advance by emailing office at nscattle.ca or by phoning 902-893-7455. The Nova Scotia Cattle Producers and Maritime Beef Testing Society are hosting Zoom sessions on March 16th and 17th at 12.30 p.m. jointly with Ag Sites discussing bull selection and understanding bull reports. Please register by phoning 902-893-7455 or emailing the office at nscattle.ca. Please note space is limited for these sessions. In upcoming bull sales, the ninth annual Ballamore Farm Thickness Cells Bull Sale will be March 20th at Ballamore Farm beginning at 2 p.m. It will also be available on the DLMS web platform. Additional information and their catalog can be found on their Facebook page or at AtlanticStockyards.com. The 49th Annual Maritime Beef Testing Society Breeding Stock Sale will be held virtually on April 3rd. For more information on the sale, such as how to bid virtually or to view the bull videos or weight reports, please visit maritimebeeftteststation.ca. Upcoming feeder sales are March 18th 
at Atlantic Stockyards. You can find more information on their website at AtlanticStockyards.com. And please ensure that you're regularly checking Nova Scotia Programs website for available programs at novascotia.ca forward slash programs. You know, bo both of you have gone through the training and, and certification process. You know, what's it look like from that side for you folks is, you know, preparing for it, taking the training, uh, taking the certification uh, test, you know, what kind of rigor goes through that to, to be a technician? Obviously, it, it doesn't sound like it is for everybody with, you know, six to 10 technicians in the country. There, there must be a fair amount of rigor to it. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I, I can take that question um, and just uh, add my personal experience. So uh, actually, I, I trained with, with Laura in, um, I think it was Iowa that we, we traveled to. They only do a few training sessions. Well, we went through the, the Cup Lab uh, training session. So they go through and we did uh, two to four days of practice scans on, on animals. And it is, it's, it's got a little bit of an art to it in order to get the, the images showing the right way. Um, ribeye area, for example, has to be between the 12th and 13th rib. And you've got to really nail that, that area down. So, and Jasper was, was because he had been a pre previously certified and had been doing the scans uh, for quite some time. So he had come down and done some pre-training with us uh, before we went to make sure that, like, again, we just had as much uh, potential as, as possible. And then when it comes to a, this actual certification, uh, they ran through 20 head twice. So we scanned the same animal uh, two times, and actually la that last year was one of the, the first years in a little while that they had sent all of those animals had gotten harvested after, so they weren't, we weren't just comparing, so they they have professional, and I'll, I'll use air quotes, but you can't see them, so they have professional scanners that would scan so that the image that we would take would be not only compared to the quote professional scanner, but it would also be compared to what the harvest data actually said, which was an additional layer of, uh, of rigor that the certification body had decided was uh, they should be doing more of to, again, maintain that integrity to make sure that it's matching up where, with what it's uh, hitting once it hits the plant. And um, so, yeah, so as, and Bra as Brad introduced, so I'm trained, but I did not pass the certification. So I had some issues with, um, with a few of the images that I, uh, my image quality on, on a few, um, in a few places was a little bit off, uh, which it can contribute to practice or, um, or whatever. So it, it was, it was a, at the end of the day, I didn't know. Um, when Laura and I had talked about it, we sort of didn't know where we were going to come in at. And, and Laura ended up, um, thankfully for the region, uh, getting the certification because uh, so I can scan animals, but I can't officially send any any information in through the breed associations, for example. Um, but Laura has the ability because she got certified to do that. And, and I may go back and um, try to recertify when we're allowed to travel again. We'll we'll see because it was a it's a very interesting process and and that skill's a, a neat one to have. But uh, but yeah, there there is some pretty significant rigor around the data accuracy, and they do a very good job of of making sure that that's 
that it's respectable because they want to keep that that history of of accuracy up. Yeah, it's that's a great summary of it, Amy. And I think so. I've been a certified tech essentially. I'm trying to remember now since the fall of 2017, um, and I myself have been ultrasounding. Uh, like Brad said in the intro, actually since my time in the Maritimes during my master's back initially in 2014. The, what I learned during my last certification, so certifications only last two years as well as another interesting thing. So that it is a very rigorous process. So I was first certified in 2017, then recertified again in 2019, and will be due for certification again in the spring of, of 2021. Um, so it is a rigorous process. Um, you're getting compared to like Amy's saying, to a reference technician that is I think I've had to scan over 5,000 animals at least in their career um, that have all passed certification. And then you're also scanning the same set of animals twice. And the reason you're doing that is to see how repeatable your measurements are. So if I scan steer 10X now and I scan steer 10X again 20 minutes later, are all my values very repeatable or some of them way off from what they were before? And on top of that, then you're also having to do a multiple choice exam at the end of it around the theory of ultrasound, how we use ultrasound, the process. It's a, it is a rigorous certification to go through. And and in the first time, um, understanding the technique can be challenging, how you interpret the image you see on the screen, how the probe to make sure that the measurement is accurate. There's, there's a lot of tricks that come into that that trade, I guess you would say, until you can master it and. The fact that you're having to go down and get certified um, really in a, in a busy day, in a busy set of days, makes it rigorous. Really, and it, it's a challenge, but it ensures that there's accuracy because body that governs um, ultrasound certification and image collection for North America um, is called the Ultrasound Guidelines Council. And they're under constant scrutiny from, there's, a, there's a, a wide network of organizations that get involved in this, but ultimately they're under the scrutiny of breed associations across North America to ensure these values are accurate. Um, and within the past year to two years, there's been um, immense pressure from the higher powers um, that these measurements are not as accurate as they needed to be, and that new models needed to be created to ensure that these measurements were accurate. This past year has been really the first wave of, I think, increased scrutiny and, and requirements when trying to get certification. Um, and what they've come out of it that has been successful, what they are now showing, um, and what I talked about earlier, is that they're showing that actually their measurements that they're getting through some of the new technologies like what breeders have access to in the Maritimes, that they're getting values that are as accurate or more accurate than the actual measurement taken on the carcass. So it's it's a rigorous process, but it is showing that it's, it is doing the proper job and making sure that these measurements are accurate. I was just going to co- comment on um, the gen- the genomics. So there's been an increase in genomic testing and the e- EPDs and, and building some of that data set from a genomic profile. And there's been some questions that come up that say, well, if we're doing genomics, then why do we also need to do ultrasounding? So Jasper, do you want, I'll just ask you the question, I guess. We, we get that question a lot. So is it one or the other? Yeah, great question. Yeah, it's interesting. This is a question that I actually posed. An interesting part of the the training when you go down to get certified, if you're doing it for the first time, is you get exposed to to technicians, but also experts from across the industry. So when I did my initial certification, um, we went into the American Angus and had presentations from their 
genetic director, I believe, of services. And it's a question that she says they always get posed as well. Um, and they've done a few different articles on it, and, and we've got, we share similar views. How they position it is that you need to consider genomics as the credit card um, and the measurement, the phenotype, so that's the ultrasound measurement in this case, as the cash. Um, so that credit card can go on for a while, but eventually you have to pay up. Um, and what they mean by that is that that genomic value um, is based on the data that's been collected. So it's true that you don't need to necessarily take ultrasound measurements, but over time, that genomic value that you're seeing for, say, ribeye area is based on the values that technicians collect for ribeye area. So if we continue to collect, or if we collect less and less images, we have less and less measurements, the accuracy of that genomic prediction um, becomes less accurate as the, as the population or as the herds continue to advance. So by using actual measurements, so actually having a technician come out, you actually get a bump in accuracy. So you get more accurate values to base your records off of, or to, make, to base your sorry decisions off of, while also ensuring that you continue to grow your, your genetic improvement. So you, to answer that, you, you can get away with just using genomics, but over time, you're going to see less and less accuracy. And really, if you look at cost comparisons, you have to, to see, can you justify a lower accuracy by paying slightly lower for that genomic test, maybe not even lower in some cases, um, than just having the technician come out and take the actual measurement. So it all comes down to, you need that ultrasound measurement um, to ensure that you have the accuracy there. So that's maybe that's a bit of a, a segue that I can, I can use in, because that's a question that we often get um, when we're out scanning. There's, there's a lot of different questions that come up, and you've alluded to a few of them. Um, we always have readers asking, well, is that a good value? What do we expect? Um, what's good to look for? Um, how do I use this? There's a lot of questions that come up with ultrasound, because I think readers understand that it's a good thing to do, but then why do I do it, and what do I do with these numbers? Um, so Amy's touched on the, how important they can be in making um, selection decisions, not only for marketing your bulls, but also, and in a lot of cases, it's more common that people are using it to select replacement heifers for the different reasons I mentioned before, how it's related to other things that are important that are harder to measure, whether that the age of puberty um, or calving intervals, those types of records. The other types of questions we get, and Amy talked about this as well, is can my crossbred or non-registered animals be scanned? And yes, they can. Um, and actually, someone like Amy, although she didn't pass certification, she can do that ultrasounding for you as well because it's not actually being submitted to the breed association at that point. So what you'll get back is the raw values or the raw adjusted values from the lab that do, does the measurements. As a crossbred breeder, you have the, the same access to this tool that any purebred breeder would have as well. So you're not at any type of disadvantage. Another question we always get is, can I scan bulls and heifers in the same session? Can I do a group of a mixed group where some are bulls, some are heifers, or do they have to be two separate groups, or how does all that come together? They can all be scanned together because they can actually be considered as the same contemporary group as long as they meet the age requirements that Amy was going through. Um, and I think one thing that people get sometimes confused about is the different requirements when it comes to scanning a group of animals. So like Amy saying, there, there's different types of age requirements depending on the breeds that you're working with. And really why the, the difference is, is that if we look at continental breeds that are later maturing, you can actually scan them when they're a bit older versus early maturing breeds like Herford or Angus, you can scan when they're a bit younger. Uh, but the best person to, to talk to to understand when you need to get your animal scanned and who can be in the group and who's too old or too young is to talk to the technician in your area. 
um, sort of talk to, to someone like, like Amy or Laura to understand, okay, do I have animals that are old enough? When will be they old enough? When can you book me in? And what you can start to do is um, really understand and plan for your ultrasound session and maybe also plan it so that, that your next door neighbor or someone down the road is there at the same time um, to make sure more people get value and some cost savings out of the service. One other common question that I've gotten or some, some breeders ask is, um, do, he do heifers have more marbling than bulls? Again, I don't like to answer this because it does depend, but on average, you will typically see a higher IMF value in a heifer than you will in a bull. And that's due to a variety of things from testosterone levels to just developmental differences between heifers and bulls. Um, but don't get caught up in the absolute value of those measurements. Remember, it's used as a comparison tool. So a bull is not getting marketed for its own actual measurement. It's getting marketed for how it compares to other bulls. So is that bull better or worse than the bull beside him for marbling values, right? Because the bulls, it's the bull's progeny that you're now concerned about and how they're going to perform. So that's the one recommendation I give is don't get caught up in their actual values. Because this is what breeders will say is, well, why are my bulls only um, grading out at, at, or at um, devoid to single A for a quality grade? And it's bulls are not going to marble as much. It's the comparison between bulls that really matters to determine which one's going to then create market steers and heifers that do have high values for that trade. One other comment to consider is when we take measurements, the one that a lot of people believe is king and, and it does have a lot of value is ribeye area because um, it's a, probably the single biggest contributor contribute to your retail yield or your saleable yield. So how much product out of that animal can I sell? There's really few better predictors of that than, than ribeye area, but ribeye area if you're going to select and only care about ribeye area as a value by itself, what you're actually going to end up doing is selecting for larger framed, larger carcass animals um, that are probably not going to be as efficient and that may actually end up costing you more money than they're creating through that additional weight. Um, because what you can often end up doing is not directly selecting for more meat, but just for a larger frame. So a better value to look at that does get created by cupping that most breeds make available is your ribeye area per unit of carcass weight so per hundred weight that then helps you understand okay am i actually getting more saleable yield out of this animal or am i just getting a larger animal there's some tricks to looking at the numbers but it's just remember that it's it's about the comparison because if you're doing this on breeding animals those breeding animals aren't being developed and raised for the purpose of being a meat animal, right, for actual consumption, they're being used as breeding stock for your market animals in the next generation. And those are the ones where the actual values matter for. What you're looking for here is how does my animal rank compared to other animals for the traits that I take with ultrasound measurements. And, and an example that we've done with egg sites, we've done research over the years. So egg sites really has been providing ultrasound services since the early 90s. And over that time, We've ultrasounded close to 4,000 bulls, close to 300 a year. And, and we've started to look at the numbers back in really four or five years ago. We, we started comparing differences across bulls to understand what differences there is. From about 2005 to 2015, there was, there was a market driver where the, industries were, the industry was really trying to select for high marbling AAA carcasses. Um, so when we looked back in 2005 at the data, we saw about 48% of carcasses that were being harvested were yielding at a AAA. 
So the market and consumers were demanding a higher marbling product. So the industry went full-fledged into trying to select for higher marbling carcasses. And what we found is, okay, so in 2005, only 48% or roughly half the carcasses were grading AAA. If we say 10 years later, after we really chased this idea of high marbling, about 65% of carcasses were now grading, grading AAA. So everyone would say we were successful, right? And that we did a good job. But we started looking at the other numbers. So we started chasing marbling. We wanted more fat in the muscle of those animals. But we did that at the, the expense of retail yield. So although we were getting more marbling, we were actually getting less and less animals that were getting high yield grades. Um, so when we look at yield grade one animals, we were getting about 25% less animals that were grading high for yield grades and a lot more low grading animals. And we were just getting higher carcass weight animals. So all that really happened because we weren't really paying attention to the, to the numbers that ultrasound can give us is that we just looked at one number. We chased marbling at the expense of overfeeding cattle. So all we really did is we didn't actually look at genetic improvement to actually get higher marbling values along with high ribeye area values. We just chased overfeeding and got larger, fatter carcasses, losing our retail yield. And actually, we estimated costing the industry about $94 million a year in overfeeding and trim expenses. So these tools are incredibly valuable, not only to us in making our own decisions, but when looking at the industry, our industry for 10 years was focused on marbling, focused on chasing fat. And really, we didn't use it at the tools that we had available to make sure that we weren't leaving other things in the dust and costing our industry money. So these tools, when used properly, can also help make sure that our operation is profitable. Here is the market report for the week ended February 26, 2021, brought to you by Atlantic Stockyards Limited, which has been Atlantic Canada's primary auction mark for more than 60 years. In the local hog market, base price in Nova Scotia is $1.84 per kilogram, up 9.7 cents from last week. In Ontario, base price was also up 9.7 cents from last week to $1.75 per kilogram. In the Quebec market, base price was $1.88 per kilogram, up 7.7 cents from last week. On the cattle side, fed cattle Atlantic beef products was flat at $2.33 on the rail. In Ontario, live steers sold for $1.31, moving down four cents from last week. And in Quebec, rail price was $2.44, up three cents from the prior week. Call cattle Atlantic Stockyards sold for 71 cents, an upward change of seven cents from last week, while rail price Atlantic beef products was $1.39, up three cents from last week. Calls in Ontario averaged 73 cents, up four cents from the prior week, and 69 cents in Quebec, moving down a cent. Good Bob calves between 90 and 120 pounds at Atlantic Stockyard sold for $135, down $20, while calves in Ontario were up 20 cents to a price of $1.42 per pound. Calves in Quebec were $1.13, an increase of three cents per pound. Base price for lambs at Northumberland Brookside Abattoir is $13 per kilogram and mutton sits at $6 per kilogram. 50 to 64 pound lambs at Atlantic Stockyards average $3.37 per pound at 59 pounds, ranging from $3.27 to $3.65. In Ontario, 50 to 64 pound lambs averaged $4.22 per pound at 58 pounds, ranging from $3.65 to $4.70. 65 to 79 pound lambs at Atlantic Stockyards, they averaged $3.03 .03 at 67 pounds, ranging from 275 to 330. In Ontario, 65 to 79 pound lambs averaged 394 at 71 pounds, ranging from 305 to 420. Use at Atlantic Stockyards range from $60 to $270, averaging 211. 
in Ontario use average $1.87 at 162 pounds, ranging from $1.15 to $2.80. Make sure you check the association websites for additional pricing information. And I can echo a lot of those things that that Jasper had said. And from like we had our re replacement heifers ultrasounded, and this is just a very practical a practical application. We had never done the ultrasound on our heifers. The bulls are, but we have had bull data come back through the maritime beef test station, which is a great option. Uh, we, so we had our replacement heifers done, and the difference in data and and all we sort of did was we were able to rank them and there was a few surprises and a few a few things but we were able to because it was done at a time that was prior to the heifers starting into their breeding program and as we mentioned in an earlier earlier segment uh, our farm does majority of artificial insemination so we had our heifer bulls already picked out for that season, but we were able to be a little bit more strategic on which bulls sort of went with which heifers in particular, because um, if all things being equal, we had a heifer that maybe was uh, had a super strong ribeye area, comparatively speaking, um, so that we were able to match her with a bull that matched um, a marbling weakness so that we were not, we weren't chasing the one thing, but we were sort of trying to level out um, some of the traits to make sure that we were not ignoring the weaknesses, but not necessarily having to to bank on on those strengths like like Jasper alluded to in terms of super selecting for one thing, but just to make sure that the the heifers were bred in ways that could leave a balanced uh, a balanced portfolio of performance objectives. Amy, I'll, I'll take Brad's role here and ask you a question. So, would you say it's worth it then? The investment's worth it. I think from what I've seen. Sure, there, there may be a cost at ranges, but your your overall cost from what we've seen is typically never more than thirty or forty dollars an animal, um, and it, it gets cheaper and cheaper as you're able to scan more animals. Do you think you've gotten the value out of that by making sure you're re retaining the correct heifers? I would say a hundred percent. And our our heifers, like we again, we're not a very big herd, but in order to develop that heifer into a two year old, costs some money. So if if we need to get rid of something or to select out, being able to select out before we put the money into breeding or into anything, like they they may be a, the best heifer of a very good heifer. But if we can only feed so many, then which are the first few to, few to, to drop off? And maybe it's not the one that had her ears frozen and her tail not tail froze off and sort of looks a little ugly but has all the right stuff maybe it's the one that's sort of fancy dancy but doesn't have any marbling in it and as an angus that's not where we need to go so it, it's just something to consider because it costs money to feed these things and if you do need to make some decisions on which ones to keep and which ones to go this is a very good way to have some good data that actually pays money down the line yeah i think you're exactly right. It's it's not the only tool in the tool chest. So you, there's always other tools that you need to use, like you're like you're saying. But it's one that, for really, when you look on the grand schemes, little little cost can give you incredible value. When you consider, am I selecting the right replacement, or am I did I all of a sudden select the wrong one that's going to give me uh, lower carcass weights, lower yielding values, and it's going to cost me for 10, 12 years to come when they're putting out calves. So overall, you've paid for that investment pretty quickly. 
um, when you compare, you've made the right decision. Um, and I think that's really a great place for people to start is it's it's the only way you can look under the hide in a lot of senses um, without having to hang that carcass first. So it's a, it's a very valuable tool that I think now the Maritimes has easy and readable access to the newest technology that is available in North America for ultrasound and cattle. So it's I think it also is preparing the industry for where consumers are, are putting their needs towards. Consumers are wanting to know more about their product. They want to have a, a, a more defined eating experience. Um, we're seeing various verification plans and programs come into play um, that are, are over time going to, I believe, request for more and more information, including things around the, the decisions they've made for selection on those animals. Um, and if all of a sudden that you're ahead of the curve in terms of capturing these types of information, it may prepare you for new markets that aren't necessarily there now, but are going to be there before we know it. I, I, I'm going to jump in here for a couple of seconds uh, and make a few comments. I think that producers in our region are, are really lucky that the, the Nova Scotia cattle producers took the initiative to to get uh, an ultrasound machine in place and work with, with ag sites and, and the provincial government to fund that and then to go ahead and get uh, technicians trained. And it provides our, our, our producers with an opportunity to access the technology that, although it's been available you know, for a number of years, it hasn't really been available to our producers. Now it is readily available. And I think that uh, people really need to give some thought to, to taking advantage of that and, and bringing this very powerful tool onto their farm to help them with their breeding selection and, and management. Um, Amy made a comment very early on in this discussion about being prepared and, and getting organized and making sure you're ready for the technician. And uh, you know, I think that's a critical point to make because you know, they're service providers. Um, your time is valuable, but their time is also valuable and you're paying for, for them to be on the farm. And it's critical that you're organized and you're prepared for them when they arrive so that you don't have to waste time chasing cattle around. And, and having a good shoot and handling facilities is part of that. But I really think the opportunity here is for people to fine tune their genetic selection and, and make an impact on what they're keeping for heifers in particular. You're going to invest you know, a lot of money in that heifer before she produces a calf. And it's going to take her probably four calves to, uh, to pay for the investment to raise her and, uh, and bring her into production. And, uh, you know, if she doesn't produce the, the, the optimum calf that, that you're looking for, you know, you're not going to recover her investment in the investment in her development as quickly and you potentially never collect it. So, you know, this is a tool that allow you to, to look under the hide and, and, uh, and really make some good decisions about the heifers that you retain and what their potential performance is. And then another thing that we, we need to look at seriously in, in the industry in the Maritimes is, you know, our ability to finish cattle. And there are people that are starting to look at that more, more aggressively, especially with the interest in, in local food production. And I think that uh, the access to, you know, the ultrasound technology gives us the opportunity to, to be able to look at what's happening in the finishing process. And as Jasper was talking about, actually predict finishing dates, weights, and, and adjust your management to, to optimize that. And I think we've got a real opportunity to, to do that and, uh, and apply this technology 
And for people that are interested in finishing cattle and maybe are you know, trying to do it for the first time, I think this could be a really, really exciting tool for them to, to learn as they go through the process. And I think you can learn a lot faster than, you know, just by kind of trial and error. And uh, you might be able to adjust your management as, as you're moving through the process. So the fact that we have access to ultrasound technology in the region now easily because we have it here and it's it's available to us rather than having to get organized and bring it in from you know quebec or ontario is a really exciting opportunity for our producers yeah i think you you made one really good point there jonathan on get, making sure you're ready for the technician and you did a great job of kind of summarizing how that looks don't get overwhelmed by the the steps that we're saying it that it's it's rigorous for the technician to get to actually being certified um but this process on farm is very simple if you're if you're sitting listening to this this podcast thinking this is a lot of work it's not all that you need to do to get this started is give the technician a call a lot of this work they handle for you they'll make sure they they your animals are the age they need to be recommend a date to you set up a date um and then once they show up on the farm um, like Jonathan's saying, just make sure you're ready for them. Things that they're going to need are really a good sh- squeeze shoot with easy access to make sure that those cattle are restrained safely, um, both for the cattle and for the, the technician. And be ready to help move cattle through. The technician isn't going to do that on their own. If there's two hands there that can quietly move cattle through those chutes, a technician should be doing eight to 10 animals an hour. So it's not like this is going to take your whole day for them to do 15, 20, 30, or even 40 of your heifers or or your bulls. It, it's a, an easy process um, that just requires you to be prepared. The rest of the information will come with the technician. They'll come with what they need to clip the animal, to brush the animal, the oil before they do the imaging on them. They'll bring the necessary paperwork as long as you have what's called an ultrasound barn sheet from your breed association. So you give them a quick call or an email to say that they need you to, you need your ultrasound barn sheet. They'll send that out. You print it off. Other than that, you just wait for that technician to arrive and make sure that you're ready and you have access to all that information. So it is a very, very simple process on your end. All, all of that work essentially is handled by, handled by your breed associations and your technician as long as your records are up to date. Once a technician's there and set up, all they're doing with each animal is ideally taking one image along the rump. So that's off essentially up between the hook and pin. I'm taking a ribeye image, like Amy said, between the 12th and 13th rib. And then they're also going to go across the last three ribs on that animal, so the 11th, 12th, and 13th rib, and take three marbling images. While that technician is there, there is the opportunity that they can collect other measurements for you. Ag sites, and I think a lot of other technicians also have been trained to, to capture things like stroller circumference or hip height as well, to add more information that can also be submitted to your breed association by you. Um, not necessarily by a technician, but they they can come with the tools needed to capture that data for you as well um, to really create more value from the service they're giving to you while they're on the farm at the same time. It's a very simple process that happens when they're on the farm, um, and there's there's lots of value that can be created from it. The other point I would add to Jonathan's is that this is giving the Maritimes incredible access to a lot of value. But if if you're still hesitant and unsure about it, these types of tools are already being used at the Maritime Beef Test Station. Um, if you've sent a bull there in the past, or if you're considering sending a bull there again, and you're hesitant about investing in getting your heifers scanned, take a look at the catalogs that come out of there. There, there is values for ultrasound measurements that are taken. 
and it's part of the suite of collection and measurements that are taken there because they're just as important in the buying decision of a bull as they are in the breeding decision of a heifer or a retaining heifer, sorry. So I think there's an incredible way that this tool can be used across the maritimes and like echo like Jonathan is saying that the breeders and, and producers across the provinces are very fortunate to have access to this tool that the Nova Scotia cattle producers are, are providing. I just wanted to quickly mention that um, I know in New Brunswick, and I'm sorry, I'm not familiar enough with PEI and Nova Scotia's program, but the Livestock Genetic Enhancement Program through CAP, the Canadian Agricultural Partnership, does have uh, in their genetic in testing components. So this is the same place that you'd go to um, for the bull bonus or the elite sire and elite, elite female program um, up to um, $500 per herd. 100% coverage on ultrasound and or genomic testing that you'd like to complete. And that's including a, a few other portions, but that's a, that's a fair chunk of access for New Brunswick producers to have, um, to have some coverage to help, uh, to help reduce the cost. So if you need more information, just talk, talk to your local extension person. Thanks, Jasper. Uh, Amy and Jonathan, before we close up, I, it's probably pretty important to uh, introduce everybody to our local technician, uh, Laura Parsons. So Laura is a member of Windy Knoll Farm down in the Kingston area of Nova Scotia, where they raise red, black and full blood Simitols. Uh, Laura has been breeding Simitols since 1988 and has been fortunate to sell bulls throughout Canada and Mexico. Uh, having spent time in Australia and Ireland, Laura has seen firsthand how well Simital cattle perform in different conditions. When Laura isn't running the day-to-day -day operation of the farm or traveling the maritime scanning, uh, she also enjoys competing at local and national uh, shows. And for anybody looking for additional information on the service available here in the Maritimes, they can visit nscattle.com ca forward slash ultrasound uh, and that will connect you di directly with the Nova Scotia cattle producers office uh, and some resources there as far as the booking form uh, and requirements for each individual breed and Jasper for folks in Ontario or central Canada or even further abroad how do they connect with you folks at ag sites to uh, get this service from from you folks yeah so it's just as simple as, as in Nova Scotia, Brad, they can they can just go to our website, www.agsites.com, A-G-S-I-G-H-T-S.com. Um, along the top, you'll see either contact us or you can click on our, our bull evaluation and heifer evaluation section. And then in there, it gives the details of the services we offer along with contact information. Excellent. Well, thanks again for joining us today, folks. And we look forward to seeing you either at a, a local sale or connecting with you uh, as we work with producers on bull selection and, and ultrasound scanning in the future. Thanks, Fred. I appreciate the time. Don't want to miss any future episodes? Subscribe to a Maritime Acast today through Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your other favorite podcast platform. This concludes another episode of Maritime Agcast. We would like to thank our producer, the Agri-Commodity Management Association, Director Ashley, as well as Matt Whitehour and Micah Dahl-Anderson of archesaudio.com for providing the music you heard during this episode. Until next time, happy farming and keep feeding the Maritimes. <laughs>